the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Great to be together again. Hope you had a great weekend. It is always hard, hard for me to be away for three full days. And here we are back together. Great to be together. Don't forget ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Uh, you go there, you'll find all you need to know. You'll find a wink. You'll find the way to sign up for the daily email. It goes out at 5 a.m. Pacific time. And also all these standalone segments, interviews, and things you can track them down all there at proamericareport.com also follow me on twitter at eagle ed martin at eagle ed martin do me a favor and shove ask other people to follow me we got to get the word out and get people following in and spread the word so good good to be together look we got to get to what you need to know in a minute but let's do a couple of housekeeping items you know i got up this morning and i, I dug into the wall street journal i'm getting kind of i'm getting kind of sick of the wall street journal i'll tell you why it's the best on the news business news. It's the best on the front page news, relatively. But, you know, they, they really don't actually, I think, uh, believe in the sort of Trump vision, right? They're more old line Republicans, so they don't really buy into it. And they give a lot of uh, they give a lot of space to people I don't agree with. So one of them was they gave a full column to Rahm Emanuel. In fact, right below his piece was a piece by President Trump and Ben Carson on the suburbs. They, uh, they, they laid out in an op-ed, Donald Trump did, the President of the United States, his uh, Housing and Urban Development Secretary, they lays, laid out this uh argument about how they changed the rules that were put in by Obama so that people can control their neighborhoods and communities in the suburbs. It was this was an Obama move sort of out of the Alinsky model and the, and the community organizing model to mess with people's hometowns. So it's a very important piece. President's been talking about for a while. Right above it, Rahm Emanuel, and he coins the term Biden Republicans, and he writes a piece as if he knows the election results in the fall and knows that somehow Biden is going to get a whole bunch of Republicans. There's no evidence to prove that. There's no evidence at all. There's like 25 never Trumper dudes that are around that complain and John Kasich. There's no evidence that Republicans are voting. And here's Rahm Emanuel. He says, basically, it's classic move. I have to tell you, Rahm Emanuel knows what he's doing. He's writing past the sale is the phrase. So he's writing past the sale. And what he, what I mean by that is he's saying, hey, um, uh, I, I got to tell you, these, these Biden Republicans, that's why Biden's winning, are going to win. And then what he has to do is govern. And he talks all about what governing in the future would be to hold the Biden Republicans as if the Biden Republicans are like the Reagan Democrats. And by the way, Rahm Emanuel is winning because I'm talking about it. And he's winning because that's the dumb thing about that's why I don't like uh, when I see the uh, Wall Street Journal give him get, allow this kind of coverage because it's just a dumb idea. It's a, it's a very dumb idea. And so anyway, back to my point is the um, the uh, uh, the um, his piece 
is nonsense. But what they're trying to do um, is is, uh, is they're trying to get you thinking that um, uh, that the that the, this is the future and this is what's going to happen. Okay, so that's that's the one. And then there's another piece in there by a guy named Matthew Hennessy. I think that was his name. And Hennessy writes about um, about the fact that uh, once the election comes, everything will be better. And he's doing it tongue in cheek, except it's not very good tongue in cheek. Anyway, so the Wall Street Journal is to me is off base on their editorial page and op-ed page, um, both. But here's and, and here's what they didn't cover. They, they didn't cover on the op-ed page because those columns were probably written yesterday and the day before because the weekend. The, the poll that the Wall Street Journal had covered in page two of their paper, which shows that guess what? The, the supposed lead of President uh, of Joe Biden um, over Donald Trump is gone. It's totally gone. It's it's just gone. It's it's disappeared. And my point here is that they know they knew that all along. It was always fake polling. And the, and the thing is tightening up, not because it's tightening up. It's tightening up because the real numbers are the opposite direction. I mean, completely the opposite direction. It's, it's, it's extraordinary. And anyway, that's where that's where this is going. And that's what you're going to see. And that's what you need to know on that one. But uh, let's put that aside. Oh, the other thing is kind of a sad weekend for the um for the president, um, his brother uh, passed away uh, kind of suddenly, and that was kind of a sad deal. I was dis- I was sorry to hear that and see that, and I, I did want to bring up to someone. I over on Periscope at Eagle Ed Martin, I talked a little bit about this. If you go over there, you know the reality is that um, seventy one years old, not so young, you know, and uh, he fell and hit his head and then had some uh, complications. We're about to go into a nomination. Where the, the younger candidate 74, I think that's what the President Trump is. The older one is 77. It's almost 78. I mean, these are old timers. And my point is, people get sick, people die. And in some ways, doesn't that reinforce that Kamala Harris is really the Democrat nominee? Doesn't it feel like that? It feels like that on the coverage. So that's another one to watch. All right, but that's not what you need to know. Here's what you need to know today. This is the important thing. This is the most important thing I can tell you. Unbelievable. It's just, uh, it's so crazy that this is happening. And it's just, and here's what it is. Do you know the name Kleinsmith? Did you hear it over the weekend? I mean, it's unbelievable that people didn't hear it. Kleinsmith is the lawyer, and he's not the, he's not the FBI's assistant lawyer in the Des Moines office. Or he's not the Jefferson City, Missouri uh, attorney who helps them out there. He's not the, the guy who's in the uh, kind of, um, you know, Sacramento office of the FBI. At the headquarters of the FBI, the top place, the big time people, he was the number two attorney. Now, a lot of FBI agents are attorneys. I don't know if you knew that. A lot of them have accounting degrees, and a lot of them are attorneys. Nowadays, many of them are linguists also, but a lot of them are attorneys. But the ones that are FBI agents don't do attorneying. They are FBI agents. Then there are attorneys. Klein Smith, depending on how you look at it, was either number two, maybe number three, but in the in the main office, one of the top lawyers. He was advising on the Hillary Clinton emails. He was advising on Carter Page. He was advising on the Flynn stuff. He was an, a lawyer for the top dogs making decisions. And on Friday, he gave notice to the court that he's going to plead guilty to basically lying, not so much lying as uh, falsifying documents in his official capacity. Whoa. Let me tell you something. If you're an attorney at the FBI at that level, when you plead guilty, you lose your law license and you lose your career. You know, if you're a if you're a linguist at the FBI and you lose your job and but you're good at translating Mandarin Chinese into English, you can find another job. Right. They can hire you to help in a company or something. You lose your law license at the FBI. Your career is over. 
your your livelihood is knocked out. So you don't plead guilty to that because you sort of made a mistake. You plead guilty to that because you're really caught. And you're really caught and you're going to have a problem, a major problem with your life and with your future. And so that's why people, this guy Kleinsmith, so he, he pleads, he notifies the court on Friday. In two days on Wednesday, he's going to be before the court and explain himself. And we're going to see. But what's happening here? What's happening here is he's turning on the other ones. And I'm telling you now, Barr and Durham are about to drop the hammer. And here's the way you really know. What you need to know is Klein Smith, he's getting the silent treatment from the press. The, basically, we have uncovered that there was a coup, that there were high level, internal, at the top of the heap, wrongdoers trying to take down the president of the United States trying to remove the president of the United States. This, in most cultures, read about Rome, ancient Rome, read about uh, the British Empire, read about anywhere. This, these are treasonous acts. This is not a bookkeeping error. This is treason against the sovereign. It's treason against we the people. This dude is Kleinsmith is getting to plead to one count of whatever because why? Not because Barr and Durham think he didn't do much. They know he was in on the coup. It's because they had to squeeze somebody and here comes the squeeze. It's treasonous. If what we're hearing is true, and we're starting to hear it, there ought to be a list of people that are going to jail. And what you need to know is they're waiting. They think they're winning, that they're waiting it out. They're going to roll the election. They're going to cause, you know, instability. They're going to blame the mail in all this stuff. But right now, there's 77 days, and there's still people who are working to hold them accountable. And what you need to know is, watch the Kleinsmith. Forget about the Democratic National Convention and the nitwits they're going to speak. Later on the show, we'll talk about the list of Republicans that the Democrats are touting. It's like a, it's like the bar scene in Star Wars. It's uh, misfits and miscreants. It's not exactly like uh, Ronald Reagan uh, reborn uh, saying Joe Biden's great. But they're going to roll. We'll talk about that later. But what you need to know is watch the Kleinsmith. And, and because he's being ignored, you know there's something there. That's what you need to know. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll get an update from uh, a friend of ours on education. Dr. Mary Byrne is an expert on education. She's been tracking Common Core for years and other stuff. We'll talk to her. And also, of course, Dr. Brett M. Decker later on. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Be right back. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Uh, my expert, I don't know if she's yours yet, but she might be soon, Dr. Mary Byrne, who is a was a teacher and an educator and is an expert I just mentioned on the earlier segment. She was tracking Common Core long before I was and was teaching me about it a few years ago, probably five years ago now, back in uh, Missouri. And so I asked her to come on and talk a little bit about education generally and then also what's happening in Missouri because they passed another amendment to mess up education. But first of all, welcome, Dr. Mary Byrne. How are you today? Thank you so much. I'm I'm well. Thank you. So I've I've been saying as a matter of uh, parenting, because I have four kids, 16 and under, and also as a matter of politics, this back to school period is like 
It's just crazy. And it's crazy Mm -hmm. in all the ways that are sort of uh, a parent's problem, meaning more uncertainty than actual problems. You know, it's and and I I feel it. My kids, as you know, are in private schools, but my friends are in public schools, their children and all. What what are you hearing across the country about as we're heading back to school here in this, this period of time? It's mayhem across the whole country. Um, In particular, there's been uh, a lot of focus on the Los Angeles United School District because they documented that a third of their students aren't even logging into the classes. Tennessee is uh, up in arms because um, they have no way to uh, check on the wellness of these students now that they're not uh, coming to school face-to-face. And so the governor has uh, basically given an edict that said there will be government officials visiting the homes to do wellness checks on the students, uh, which has parents up in arms. Uh, and they've also been asked the parents not to view the online classwork of the students. That uh, they, they Under the auspices of, of student privacy for other students in the classroom, they've asked parents to sign forms saying that they won't uh, view what they're Children are learning, uh, and the, the risk would be that the students would be uh, cut out of the class if, if they did so. So there's huh. been a revision of that, but it, the whole point is um, this, it, it is – it is definitely causing mayhem within families because families are now um, having to compromise or juggle what was what was set up to be the routine in their in their lives in in terms of bringing in income. Sometimes it was a you know two income worker, uh, depending on the schools to do what the. Uh, taxpayers were paying public schools to do, and that is to educate their children. And, and it's had kind of a blowback in terms of uh, what we've been saying about Common Core for for five or so years, uh, in that parents are finally seeing the kind of content that the uh, students were exposed to, and they're saying, no, I'm, if you're going to make me stay home with my child to educate them with my supervision, I'm going to pick the curriculum because I do not approve of what your teacher teaching my child. So in the state of Louisiana, uh, they expect uh, homeschooling to increase by 500%. Uh, really? For, for various reasons, yeah. But uh, there's, there's going to be, I think, an unanticipated consequence to the, <laughs> the elitists who have been controlling the education agenda, where they thought everybody would just fall in line. Um, uh, this is America, and we're not doing that. So, um, mm-hmm. and school districts are going to have an unanticipated problems from from this. Yeah, we're talking. We're talking with Dr. Mary Byrne. Can I ask you a question? Is the is the um, is the uh, Anger aimed in any helpful direction, and by that I mean, you know, in in sort of politics and policy, if the anger of people is aimed in the wrong direction, then they sort of, the the policymakers know how to stay out of the line of fire and wait it out, you know, and so for example, in in my home county now, Fairfax, Virginia, Northern Virginia, they just had school board elections uh, um, just over what years? Yeah, just over nine months ago, and they had them, and they replaced them all for four-year terms. So there's no one; th- those board members know, like, oh, this is ugly now, but four years from now, what will be? A-? So, and that's a that's a part of life. 
is the anger and frustration of parents and students aimed in a helpful direction? To me, the helpful direction would be at the teachers unions, which seem like they, you know, have more control than they should and all. But what's your sense? Is it is it being steered in a way that can lead to changes or is it just people bailing out or what? what is your thoughts? Well, uh, you're, I think you've got your hand on one part of the elephant when you identify teachers' unions, because the unions have definitely uh, taken control uh, of their membership at the national level uh, with policies and um, basically um, essentially platforms that they expect their members to fall in line. And it's, it's all pursuit of the progressive Democrats who would be elected and uh, then implement the progressive education agenda, which is what we've been suffering under since John Dewey launched it. Um, mm-hmm. the, the problem that they don't recognize is that there has been an ongoing trend uh, of orders coming down from um, non-governmental organizations, such as the Council of Chief State School Officers, the um, American Association of, of uh, School Administrators. All of these, for, for a very long time, have been trying to get control of the school districts into the hands of the superintendents. So your school boards have basically been neutered and um, told that they're to be cheerleaders for the superintendents, who, of course, would be taking their orders from your state departments of ed, who are taking their orders from the non-governmental organizations, the trade organizations. The Council of Chief State School Officers and the um, National Governors Association have been working in lockstep for a very long time. So what you've got is the education controlled from the executive branch of your state. And don't forget, the Common Core standards were copyrighted to both of those organizations because they are working in lockstep. Hmm. So, um, and the National Association of uh, State Boards of Education have been a kind of a under-the-radar third group that has collaborated uh, on this agenda, and they're all told by the same underwriters of their trade organizations what the agenda is going to be. And, of course, when I mean, the big kick in the stomach came with the Obama administration because you had a professional basketball player becoming your uh, secretary of education. Okay, that was Arne Duncan. Hmm. Arne Duncan mm-hmm. knew nothing about education except that he was the um, Chicago CEO, and that was only a political appointment. But what he did when he became secretary is he opened the doors to hire in the uh, executives who had been trained in those foundations, like the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Broad Foundation, the, the um, executives and, and managers of education projects in those organizations were hired into the U.S. Department of Ed to implement that progressive agenda that I was I was talking to you about. So it behooves them. Those, those foundations that have personnel uh, embedded in the Department of Ed, the U.S. Department of Ed, it behooves them to underwrite the trade organizations of your high-level executives in education uh, to give them the agenda, and, and that's what filters down. But my point is, your local school boards have basically been neutered to centralize the power into your superintendents who, so that you have this 
chain of command going directly from the the trade organizations to your commissioners of education to your superintendents, and that's how it's done. So they become a good um, hierarchy from uh, a military, like a military model. Right. Is the, um, we're talking with Mary Byrne and, and, um, Dr. Mary Byrne is the, so it doesn't sound like the, um, I, I'm, I'm back to my question. Doesn't sound like the, um, the target for people's dis, uh, distrust and, uh, you know, um, anger over what's happening is being particularly a targeted, right? Right. I mean, people are, if you're mad at your congressman over uh, education, that's not going to change education is your point. If you're not, even if you're mad at your school board, it's not going to change education. Correct. That's exactly what I'm saying. And so at this point, I don't want I don't want people to abandon public schools. I want them to read, believe it or not, Jefferson's notes on Virginia, because that was the original Mm. intent of funding public education uh, written in there. And that is so that you could um, protect the republic by educating your citizens. And the whole point was that regardless of your socioeconomic status, if you exhibited good management skills and uh, and a fidelity to your country and you understood that electing good people was the whole purpose of the election process and that we cultivated those good people in our schools, um, that's what we need to return to. That said, children who are currently school age are screwed because um, there's no time <laughs> in their in their years of growth to to turn that system around and and return to our original purpose for education. So you have to get your kids mm. out. Um, private mm. schools can n- navigate around the the union agendas because their teachers are not unionized, right? And mm-hmm. um, right. so they're not taking orders from from that group um and your homeschool you have as a as a parent you still have the authority to to choose but i would not choose an online program giving your children curriculum from a state approved <laughs> uh right, you know right, state board of ed or it's whatever same, that's the not same, the point yeah yeah, it's the same problem. All right, now I'm going to lose time, run out of time, time with you, uh, Dr. Burns. Mary Byrne, we're talking to. Tell me about what happened in Missouri, what the amendment did, and, and, and thumbnail what's going on in that, in, in the, what they've kind of snuck through in Missouri. Right. A thumbnail is that it was not a grassroots effort at all to expand Medicaid. What you had was the um, United Healthcare's Union of the West in California, mm-hmm. a memo of 2014 from their leadership uh, was sent out and said, you know, we're frustrated here because we can't expand Medicaid any further under the Obama administration. How about we start funding ballot initiatives in the states that don't already have it? So they established was called the Fair Project in Washington D.C., which is a you know a, a lobbying organization. It was the Fair Project that organized everybody else here in the state of Missouri to trump up these excuses that we could save rural hospitals, which is wrong because the, it's the fact is populations in our rural areas have been shrinking. Therefore, you don't have right the patient traffic you used to have to sustain those hospitals. The six counties that voted Amendment Two. And we're all urban. St. Louis, Kansas mm. City, and Springfield. Um, mm. There wow. is, there's no. I mean, it, the the arguments they made about budget was all done on false assumptions, um, because what we do know about Medicaid 
uh, is that as a broken system, doctors are refusing to take Medicaid patients or not giving them appointments because the Medicaid reimbursement is so low. It's unsustainable. Right. Right. And so you may get a Medicaid card, but you won't get an appointment. So what good would that do you? Right. (laughs) Right. And then and then what they do is they go to the emergency room and they and they create long lines for other healthy people who do or unhealthy people who might have insurance. They, They create these long waiting periods for everybody. Because we've right. given Medicaid cards, they can't get appointments, and now they're increasing the use of the emergency rooms. So every every hmm. premise that was used as an argument to pass it was wrong, false, but it was done because the union workers want to expand their union dues-paying personnel. Uh, and, right. and, of course, they're not going to tell you that. That's not a sales point. <laughs> Right, right. For the event. All right. Um, yeah. Well, thank you, Mary Byrne. It's it's great to hear you, and we'll have you back on again to keep explaining this. It's very helpful. As I said to you off the air, I think this period of time, the next uh, six to eight weeks, you're going to see more people um, not just um, worried but agitated over what's happening in the schools. So thanks for your time, Mary. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our, our next guest is our old friend, Dr. Brett M. Decker. We have to check in on the heart of America over in Ohio. Michigan native, I believe Michigan native, grew up in Michigan at least, and uh, lived all over, all over the world. New York Times bestselling author and a professor at Defiance College. Welcome back, Dr. Decker. First of all, how is the return to... Uh, college going. I think you told me by text, I don't remember if we talked, that the sports at Defiance College, which is a big sports school, that's all on hold for the fall. But what's happening with school? Oh, uh, yeah. A week from today, we'll, uh, we'll be back uh, on campus in person. So hopefully all goes well. Uh, you know, the one thing, right, there's a lot of uh, nationwide, all these returns to uh, campus a lot of it is, you know, it puts a lot of the onus on trusting college kids not to be college kids. And, I mean, that kind of mm-hmm. makes me nervous because I might do the right thing now. But, I, you know, I don't know. If I, if I were 19 or 20, you know, maybe woohoo, time to party. I don't know, right? So, so I think there's a lot of uncertainty, right? I mean, can you ask somebody who's 19, 20, 21 to act like they're older than that? I'm not sure. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it is a uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you know, uh, uh, as you point out. Although on the other hand, they they at least they travel in packs and gangs. They'll stay together. You know, young people at least on a campus they'll stay together. All right, I wanted to ask you, Doctor Decker. You've observed you've observed and been uh, present as a reporter and otherwise at a number of conventions, Republican Democrat over the last uh, I guess twenty five years. In this case, start tonight. We have uh, starting tonight. We have um, Joe Biden's Democrat convention. It's all virtual. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know how to think of how this is going to play out what what are these do these things matter at all now i mean in the past they were made for tv movies or made for tv infomercials now they're i don't know something less what, what's the deal with the, the conventions well you know the one thing uh having having like covered or witnessed conventions as a journalist one, one thing i always thought was interesting which you've seen sort of from the other side is like a as, as an activist, is how important these these are. Probably more on the GOP than on the Democratic side, but um, mm-hmm. it, it's an outlet for the movement to actually insinuate uh, their preferences and their will a little bit against the establishment. So, 
um, and one way is I know a lot of people who got jobs in Washington from all over the country because they would go to conventions and they would meet people who are connected. And then that would mm-hmm. get them their first internship or their first job. And a lot of those people mm-hmm. were bringing conservatism from like the South or the Midwest into the Washington offices, you know, so that's one important way. And then, and then as you know, a few years ago, you edited that book on Phyllis Schlafly's work on um, making sure the pro-life platform plank was in the platform and how much effort right. and fighting that took. Well, without an actual live convention, um, it's a lot harder for parts of the conservative movement to make sure these important parts of our philosophy are in there, right? As we know, different candidates over time, Bob Dole, people like that, wanted to mess with that plank and other conservative parts of uh, of, of, the, of um, the platform. And if you're present, it's a lot easier to threaten like, hey, we're going to make a big stink live on TV if you, if you monkey with this, right? So having this mm-hmm. all engineered and manufactured virtually, it kind of takes away um, f- some important avenues for conservatives to make sure uh, the Rhino Party establishment doesn't, doesn't, doesn't uh, mess with our ideas. So, but in this case for the Democrats, for example, this week, you're probably not going to be able to discern what their platform is, right? I mean, you, you know, the Republicans, there'll always be a fight and there'll always be people like, as you mentioned, the Phyllis Schlafly uh, a wing of the party protecting the pro-life plank and all that. The Democrats, they're basically going to do a sort of poll-tested infomercial, right? They're not, I mean, isn't that what you'll see? Uh, and then they'll trot out their old, uh, the heroes of their of their place and that's it, Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be it's going to be relatively boring. I, what I think of it is like it's going to be sort of like the the Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer response to the Trump State of the Union address. You know, all mm-hmm. all pre can snoozer. Um, a lot of these people are terrible. Um, you know, in the in these sort of rote speeches and everything like that, right? So. Um, I think it's going to be, it's probably going to be pretty bad TV. And I don't think it's going to, the the thing I, it gives, uh, that heartens me is I can't see anything they do reaching out to uh, whatever undecided voters there are or people who had mm-hmm. previously voted Democratic but voted for Trump last time. I can't see them putting together anything that's going to reach out to those, uh, those people in the middle or maybe the votes they want to flip. I mean, if you look at, picking Harris as a vice presidential uh, nod, uh, right? Right. They don't understand that they don't have to appeal to the fringe of their party. They're still trying to, to make the wackos that are burning down America happy. And I think, I think that's going to, that's going to carry over into the convention as well. What about the, uh, and I, I laughed about it earlier and I'm going to talk about it later, but I want to ask you, what about the, um, John Kasich and Susan Molinari? That's the best they can do in terms of, uh, Republicans who are for Biden. I mean, any, any, are you feeling any, are you seeing or feeling any real, um, uh, uh movement amongst Republicans to vote for Biden? No, no, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any. I think, I think the danger is, Democrats that voted for Trump, if they're really feeling squeezed, a lot of times, right, voters in a bad economy don't vote for the incumbent. So a lot of people voted for Trump and were doing well and now aren't. What you don't want to do is lose some of those. And Kasich and at Mullen, one, Susie Molinari, right? I mean, the last time she was semi-relevant, 
um, in Congress was when I first moved to Washington, which, as you mentioned earlier, was a long time ago. And and she disappeared. You know, she and her husband disappeared um, out of nowhere in a flash. You know, maybe people start asking questions about about why again. Um, a lot of curiosity. Well, you know, there. even even yeah. more even more interesting. She spent she spent ten years or whatever it is as a lobbyist for Google. And and uh, she got moved out last year, last year because Google was trying to uh, up their game because I think they perceived that they were getting you know into a fight. But she she made a lot of money as Google's mouthpiece. I mean, not, not exactly uh, right now. Um, well, maybe maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it does. Maybe if you're Biden, you don't care. You just want a Republican. Doesn't matter who it is. But it doesn't strike me as particularly a powerful message to be uh, be able to say you got the Google uh, people on your side. Right. <laughs> But, oh, you know, the, the search term manipulators are on our side. Congratulations, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, <they have> well. <laughs> negative, negative points to it. And, you know, Kasich, nobody really likes a weasel party switcher, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. people that you're ditching don't like you, and you never make the other side happy, right? Whenever conservatives or Republicans sell out thinking the media will love them, well, you're chasing after mm-hmm. something you're never going to catch, you know? Right, right, exactly. That's that's. I think that's the uh, that seems to me to be the lesson of it. But I mean, you know, who knows? Again, uh, all right, Doctor Decker. What about um? What's the uh, what's the reality of you know? The president said the other day that China loves Biden. Is that is that? I mean, that would that be a real at this point? Is are China and Iran really just saying, hey, let we better wait and hope we get a new guy? Well, definitely. Don't forget that Hunter Biden did a uh, what a nine oh, or ten true, yeah. deal. In, in China, mm-hmm. so China definitely knows, you know, he's he's their man. So, and and they definitely know Trump's not. So, um, I, I you know I think the I think all the bad actors know that Biden can't complete a sentence, right? He's completely non-functional. Mm-hmm. And and if you just look at the party, right? I mean, Antifa, Black Lives Matters, all these leftists that are burning down America. Uh, People all know which party uh, they're closer to, and they're about to get, and they might get into power. So, people that want to tear America down overseas um, kind of have a brotherhood with people that are tearing down America internally, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think people are excited about that prospect, right? All right, last question, uh, Doctor Decker. We're talking to Brett, Doctor Brett M. Decker, New York Times uh, bestselling author. Uh, how are you feeling on the election in November now? Right now, again, it's a couple of weeks since I asked you. Uh, in November, what happens? You know, I, I'm feeling a, a little less worried about it. I wouldn't say I'm not worried. But the one thing is mm-hmm. the, the Republican convention does give Trump an opportunity to relaunch a bit, right? He's, he's, he's lost his mojo, not all his fault, right? He's been getting pummeled for six years straight, including three right. and a half years in office. Um, and and he's good in a, in a live environment and crowd. So taking him away from that uh, because of COVID's really hurt him. So this is another time to say, hey, let's start fresh. And we have a very limited time to hit the ground running now to election day. And that's just you know let's put pedal to metal and and go all out until then. And the, the polls are tightening up a little, and some polls yep. within the margin of error now. So. Um, yeah, you know, I think that's let's, right. Let's leave nothing left undone and, and go for it. And the one guy who plays for keeps is President Trump. I mean, you think of the debate last time where he had Paula Jones and some of those other people that President Clinton had uh, allegedly assaulted. Remember when he had him in that debate against Hillary in the audience? 
that's a guy that plays to win. And I think what we're going to see starting with the convention is the old Donald Trump playing to win again. And I think that's exciting. All right. Dr. Brett M. Decker, we'll talk again next week. Thank you, as always. Good luck uh, back to school, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Dr. Brett M. Decker, New York Times bestselling author. We'll take another break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Filled with free speech, love, and street art, Chaz, also known as the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone of Seattle, was established by Antifa protesters to be a brand new nation. Leftist politicians insisted the police abandon a precinct in the zone to give protesters some space. Encompassing six blocks of downtown Seattle, Chaz was intended to be a haven for those who hate police. They built their walls and established armed guard patrols to ensure no one of a different mindset infiltrated their new nation. The transient residents of Chaz demanded outside aid from Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin and Washington's Governor Jay Inslee. Time after time, local officials chose to capitulate rather than push back on the lawless protesters. Politicians are sworn to protect the people of their jurisdiction. Mayor Durkin and Governor Inslee ignored this duty by assisting Antifa anarchists. Downtown Seattle residents lost vital protection in their homes, businesses, and workplaces. The mayor and the governor did not promote their people's welfare. They favored one group by allowing them to strip away the rights of others. Liberal Democrats are losing control of their home states and cities. Seattle's Chaz is just one instance of this, but its errors will spread. Americans need to realize that their personal rights are at risk. Don't count on the Jenny Durkins of the world to help. Spineless liberal politicians care more about maintaining their own power than they do about protecting the rights of others. In Washington, D.C., there was an attempt to build another autonomous zone. President Trump tweeted, There will never be an autonomous zone in Washington, D.C. as long as I'm your president. If they try, they will be met with serious force. The president kept his word as a so-called Black House Autonomous Zone attempted to form in Washington, D.C., near the White House. It didn't take long for police to completely clear the area of these protesters. Strong leaders are dedicated to protecting the rights of all Americans as the dangers of anarchy grow. America needs to wake up and consider the options this election year. Will you vote for anarchy and suppression or for leaders who will protect your rights as American citizens? This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Now, don't forget, ProAmericaReport.com. Go over there and get those interviews. Those are some good interviews today. And uh, we will be talking later on this week. We will visit again with our friend, um, Selena Zito, who we haven't talked in a while. And tomorrow, we'll talk with Madeline Westerhout. That's the woman that was in the White House, and she was a special executive assistant to President Trump. She got fired because I think she was, I don't know, at a wedding or something, and she was bad-mouthing one of the Trumps. But she apologized and 
went about her business and wrote a book. So we'll talk with her about that. It's always interesting to hear these insider accounts of what's happening in the White House. So that'll be fun. We'll talk with her tomorrow. All right. I mentioned uh, that we would talk a minute about, and I've only got a couple minutes, about the De- Democrat National Convention tonight kicked off. Uh, M- M- Michelle Obama, star power tonight, and some others. But here's the thing that's fun to think about is after a couple of days of hyping it, uh, con- former congressman and former governor John Kasich, who ran for president, as I've told you, anyone who runs for president gets presidential fever and can't believe they're not president. So then they're bitter. So Kasich is bitter and is complaining about Trump all the time. And over the weekend, he said... There is a Congress, a GOP congressman who's going to endorse Trump. And everyone went, oh, my gosh, could it be? Who could it be? Turns out it's Susan Molinari, as I mentioned with Dr. Decker. She was a congresswoman 10 years ago for about 10 years. Uh, She's from um, Long Island. Her father, Guy Molinari, was a longtime county executive, kind of a boss of the Staten Island did I say Long Island? Staten Island is where they are. Uh, Staten Island Republicans. And she had a modest career. She's married to another congressman, Bill Paxson. Is that his name? That might be an actor. Uh, Paxson was the name of the congressman. I think it may be the same name. But she, for the last 10 years or so, she's been the lobbyist, the number one lobbyist for Google. And she's not been particularly dynamic. So it's not like you have, you know, Nancy Reagan or, uh, uh, a, you know, somebody who would be a big name Republican who crosses over. Nothing like that. So uh, not much of a story, but a lot of fun, fun for the press to sort of banter around. All right. I got to run. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. But tomorrow we'll cover all the debate stuff, excuse me, all the convention stuff and a lot more. Thank you, as always, to Noah for keeping this uh, machine off the tracks or on the tracks or just off the rails. Uh, Joanna for booking the guests. And we'll be back tomorrow. Don't forget Pro. ProAmericaReport.com. Go there, check everything out. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow.